Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Psalm chapter, Psalm number 46, we're continuing in our series on listening to God. I'm going to raise the stakes this morning in just a minute. But, you know, I'm going to add to what I was saying earlier. God is our refuge. Psalm 46, beginning with verse 1. God is our refuge and our strength. A very, what kind of help? What kind of help? You know, when I say that, you know, I'm, that's a question. It's not rhetorical. I do expect you to answer. A very what? Present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved. Now, remember, this is all metaphor. You know, the earth, in other words, the, the ground under our feet begins to seems to be giving way. And the institutions be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters, populations, roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Think about it. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. That's why we worship because we come to drink out of that river. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Everybody say, I take it. I receive it. She shall not be moved. Um, um, my brain just went someplace else. I apologize. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations. Now, when it says nations there, that doesn't necessarily mean countries. That means people groups. Rage. I have no illusions about what comes next. I rejoice over the Roe v. Wade. But the worshipers of Baal are not going to back off. They are, you know, you go over in the Old Testament and you see what happened after the power of God fell. Um, the, the, what do we have? We had Jezebel, who was a devotee of Baal, the daughter of Et. Baal, the king of the Sidonians, his very name means I serve Baal. And she, she was married to a spineless wimpedite of a king named Ahab who would allow her to do just about anything to include slaughtering the prophets and the, the preachers of Yahweh. And Yes, revival started. Did the kingdom ever turn righteous? The answer is no. But God had a people within it that grew over a period of time. Both Ahab, Ahab, and Isabel met their ends. And the prophets were once again, through Elijah and Elisha 
and a handful of others able to get up and speak to that nation. And while they did not stir, necessarily steer the course of that nation, God was able to move enough to, you know, to scoop some people out of it who were in danger of going to an eternal uh, state that is not good away from him. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. Yahweh of hosts, Yahweh Sabbath, is with us. The God of Jacob, our fortress. Think about it. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Behold the works of Yahweh. How he has brought desolations to the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know. Turn off the news. And know, know that I know, that we know. Everybody say, I know. That I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Yahweh of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We're on a series. Now take that because we are entering... We are, as things accelerate, it's going, to, it's, it's going to be more perilous. And you and I, life is a minefield. The environment around us is not what it was 30 years ago. It is much more austere. It is much more unfriendly. Churches are being spray painted and Pro-life organizations are being firebombed as the forces of darkness exercise their rage over the things that are happening. You know, the only thing that's going to change anything is revival. It is an awakening. Everybody say amen. And God is speaking. He certainly is. Uh, one of the things that one of my professors in seminary used to say is that God is not the great concealer. He is the great revealer. Make no mistakes. There are things that he conceals, but his revelation is available to all. Uh, some of you may be familiar with the great Christian author from the 20th century named Francis Schaeffer, who wrote a book entitled, He is There and He is Not Silent. That was in 1972, my junior year in high school. Listen to me very carefully here. God is not only speaking to all of humanity. He holds all humanity responsible for what he is saying. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, he even says, we'll get to that in a minute, that the light has come that illumines into the world that enlightens every man. Everybody say every. If God is righteous, if he is just, and he is, then that means that all of us can hear his voice. All of us do hear his voice. All of us, even the unbeliever. It also means that it's within us, with his assistance, 
of understanding what he is saying. Not just hearing it, but understanding. Hearing is one thing, understanding is another. Kevin Webster is currently teaching on his Tuesday night service in the, out of the book of Revelation. And if you haven't been to the Yearington website to hear it, it is really, really good. I rejoice because I've heard him teach on Revelation before. I'm getting a lot more out of this past, not just because I'm hearing it for a second time, but because the last time it was in Russian. (laughs) And I was getting every fifth or sixth word, which makes for a pretty poor comprehension and grasp of the material at hand. All right. It's not what that's why I'm a teacher. And not just a proclaimer. It's not what to preach means to proclaim. To teach means to explain. It's not what you eat that helps you. It's what you're able to digest that makes a difference. Hearing is one thing. Understanding is another. In Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. First part of 3. It says God after he spoke long ago to the fathers. In the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he, meaning Jesus, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. What did Jesus say to Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the father. And upholds all things by the word of his power. God has been speaking for a very long time in many portions and many ways. Not just to be heard, but to be understood and obeyed. We have a great many of those things that he has said and things that he has done written down for us. And as good as all of that is, verse 3 tells us. That we have something better, something even better than that, because he, the radiance of the Father's glory, has come to us. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, period. End of, end of, you know, end of discussion, all right? Now we go back to John chapter 1. Stay with me here. In the beginning was what? The Word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He, the word, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him, in Jesus, in the Messiah, the anointed one, was life. And the life was the what? Light of men. Light here is used by the apostle under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit quite intentionally. He is our illumination. He is our enlightenment. He is our guide. He is our instructor. He is our mentor. Everybody say amen. Amen. This is individual, yes, but it is also here universal. 
Because we just quoted verse 9 a minute ago. There was a true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. Enlightens, teaches, instructs, guides every man. But verses 11 and 12 say this. He came to his own and those who were his own didn't receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. That those who were his own rejected him. And they are held responsible for that rejection. We live in a day when nobody wants to hold anybody responsible. Are you with me? Or nobody wants to be responsible. But God does hold us responsible. We live in a day, we're going to talk about this somewhere in this series, about how the Word of God is being twisted in such a way. It's, 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 it's idolatry as far as I'm concerned. We see it in Israel. I'll bring it out of the Scripture and I'll show you it's nothing new. To make people feel good about their their idolatry and make them feel like they can go on their merry way all the while opening the door wide open to the enemy to come and hold high carnival in their lives. And I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about world, you know, un, unsaved people. Them too. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is going to be able to stand before God and say, I did not know. Palm Tracy sitting on the back row back there are, I'll show my Oklahoma roots, fixing to leave for uh, Paraguay. Almost said Uruguay, but Paraguay to Asuncion where they're going to be training with YWAM, right? YWAM. And they'll be on the mission field. We're going to pray for them next week. Bless them. And the call that they since that God is, is drawing them down there is because there's somebody down there who's crying out to God who needs them. Who needs somebody. And God has said, I'm sending you Paul and Tracy. That's the way it is. When people who don't know the gospel, they don't know God, they look up and they look at their, they look at their religion or they look at their idol or they look at their philosophy and they say, this is not truth. This is ultimately not satisfying. Who are you? Where are you? God says, well, let me reveal myself to you. And he mobilizes someone to get to them. That is my theology of mission. And Paul indicates over in Romans chapter 1 that we will be without excuse when we stand before him. First John chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, and he himself, meaning Jesus, is the propitiation. I like expiation better. He is the payment in full. He is the wiping away of our sins. Not only for our sins, but also of those of the whole world. God, you know, I understand that the reformers believe that in limited atonement. But that's not what this says. This says that Jesus put away sin. People will go to hell because they reject his gift. People walk in, in, in hell on earth because they reject his guidance. But that doesn't change what he did for us. In fact, look at Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And those of you who go to church here know that this is one of my favorite passages. 
For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation, making it available to all men, instructing us. The grace of God instructs, it teaches, it trains, it enlightens, it advises, it mentors, it guides. So many people are waiting for some sort of an apparition. They're waiting for Jesus to appear to them in a dream when they've got the scripture telling them exactly which direction they must go. And we don't have any guarantee that special guidance will come when we have the word. Everyone hears, the gist is clear here. Everyone hears the voice of God speaking from heaven and everyone means everyone. They may ignore it. They may reject it. But hear him, we all do. And again I say, every human being will be held accountable for that. Now, part of the trouble with hearing God clearly and understanding is that God isn't the only voice out there. Has anybody besides me noticed? So many voices are out there vying for our attention and our action, trying to sell us on some course of action, trying to persuade us. In the natural, it's advertisers. If we do not have a need that they can meet, they want to create in us a perceived need. So the way you need this. There has been a lot of debate through the years among um, philosophers about whether or not creating a need in somebody to sell them, you know, or perceived need in somebody in order to sell them something is actually ethical. I'm not going to address that. I never knew that I needed a Corvette until I was told I needed a Corvette. Politicians do the same thing. We live in a representative, we live in a republic, a representative democracy. You keep hearing that word democracy. Kevin brought this out Tuesday night and it was very good. You know, we do not live in a democracy. We live in a, we live in a representative democracy. We live in a republic. And the reason that our founding fathers did it that way was because they knew that if we follow the whims of the people... That becomes mob rule. And that has throughout history been a catastrophe. And, you know, they're banging their drums out there like carnival barkers. Some of these politicians get up and say the most provocative and incendiary. Does everybody understand what that word means? Lighting a fire. Incendiary things. You know, and feel completely justified in so doing. We live in a world where good has become e evil and evil has become good. And the danger to that is that people who call good evil feel 100% justified in canceling what they consider evil, even though it is what God calls good. And they think they're the good guys. Turn to somebody and say, deceived. And so we've got all this noise out here. 
Um, I'm reminded of a vision that a man of God had one time where he was praying for someone and the Lord appeared to him and started talking to him. And he was standing there seeing Jesus just as clearly as you see me. And Jesus was talking and he could not understand him. He could hear but could not understand because a wicked spirit appeared. He said it looked like a little limp and it appeared between him and Jesus. And he said it had just the shrillest voice you've ever heard. And it went, and was just like this. And he said, I'm standing there going, doesn't the Lord know I can't hear him? He said, Jesus' lips were still moving and he could kind of hear little bits. And how many of you know what I'm describing here? Little bits and pieces of what he was saying. And he's thinking, doesn't he know that I'm not getting it? And finally, he said in frustration, he said, you foul spirit in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, shut up. And he said, when he said that, he went and it fell to the floor. And he said, not only be quiet, get out of here. And he said it and ran out. And he said, Jesus looked at him and said, well, son, I'm really glad you did that, because if you didn't, I couldn't. And he said, Lord, I'm pretty sure I didn't hear you correctly. You said you couldn't. I know you said you wouldn't. He said, no, if you didn't, I couldn't. And he went on to explain to him how he said, I've given my authority on earth to you. Oh, how the enemy wants us to forget that. And just take whatever comes along. And you get under that cloud that's heaviness and and hope seems to be fading and depression wants to attach to you that you rise up and tell that thing where to go and to leave you that it has no right to hang around you and you give it no place. You'll be surprised how quickly it will depart. But we've got all these opposing voices out there. It's kind of like driving cross country. How many of you ever driven late at night and tried to listen to AM radio? You know, we don't do it so much anymore because we got satellite XM and all this other stuff. But I can remember when I was a kid, we'd be we'd be driving up to the lake or something like that late at night, and we would turn on. You know, be trying to. Uh, we would listen to WLS out of Chicago a lot because you know you could actually get it—the fifty thousand watt voice of whatever you know, and or WOAI out of San Antonio. If you try to go to a, a station that you knew, a lot of, you know, and it would kind of fade in and fade out. Part of the reason is our antennas uh, are not tuned to the proper frequency. They're just a wideband thing there to try to get them all. There is a way to make it more, but, you know, it, we'll get to that in a minute. And so, um, you know, some have a, uh, you know, that's when I discovered that there were that a lot of the stations used the same advertising people to do their sounders, you know, because the stations we had there in Tulsa would have the station sounder like, you know, K-A-K-C, Tulsa, W-O-A-I, San Antonio. And they were all using the same ones. It's like, oh, wow. And here I thought that that was you know, just us. 
Then there was one out of uh, Mexico, station XEG. Has anybody ever listened to XEG? Very, very powerful. I think it's in Monterey. Very, very powerful. I mean, like, they're blasting their, their signal north, you know. And they were not, you know, um, you know, entendí todas las palabras en español. Y estos locutores hablan tan rápido. I didn't understand anything they were saying because they talk a mile a minute. Very fast. But Spanish has a lot more syllables in it. And so you got to talk faster to get it in in the same period of time. So you know what most people do? They punch this preset for the station they know. And there we are coming to a day and it's already happening when you punch people are punching and I'm using this metaphorically that the things upon which we've become comfortable and reliant etc we can't hear it it's fading we get the wobble or it's drowned out by polka music <laughs> I've actually had that happen we were on our way to Minnesota and was listening we're listening to and then Yankton had a south to, or is it North Dakota? I don't remember. Wherever Yankton is, they had a. They were playing polka music really loud. One of the things that the problem is that we're so distant from the transmitter, we're having difficulty pulling in the signal. But if we will tune, we can get it. And if we'll move toward the transmitter, amen. When I was in the Army, I worked in the signal intelligence and we'll show you a picture of my installation here. That is USM-1, built on top of Teufelsberg, Devil's Mountain, in West Berlin, when it was still West Berlin. I think the station's been torn down now. And that is a, a dish and a smaller dish, and this is a 40-foot, and this is a 40-foot dish, and this is a 30-foot dish. And this is a 10-foot dish. These are different fixed array antennas. This is uh, something completely different. And I used to have control of this one, big one right here, and this smaller one right here, and this little tiny one right up here. And the reason that these dishes, they're, they're just great big Dishes like you see pointed at satellites, except these weren't pointed at satellites. We're picking up, we're for picking up tropospheric scatter and other type uh, signals. And the reason they were covered was not to keep them out of the weather, but so that the enemy could not take pictures of them and determine by the pictures exactly to what frequency lengths, wavelengths, frequencies we were listening. In fact, at one point, they sent a jet across, I think it was a MiG-20, it was either a MiG-21 or a MiG-23, across the Vonze at high speed, and it hedgehopped this station, trying to, with the, with the prop, you know, with the, not the prop, but the jet blast and the, all the, you know, and everything, to try to, uh, to cause one of those to, to collapse. And that pilot lost control of his aircraft and crashed it into the Vonze, which was the big lake there. So we got a real good look at their tech, to say the least. And 
What I'm telling you is that when I worked there, I had a whole bunch of equipment that helped me to determine what kind of system. You know, I was tasked to identify Soviet, Polish, and East German signals. To, 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 you know, what kind of system it was, what, if anything, was of interest on it. My part was to analyze what was important and toss what was not to sort through it. When somebody in one of the other parts of the station, and we were just a big listening post, not a hearing post, a listening post. How many of you get the difference here? I mean, we're a hundred and, where'd it go? We're a hundred and 10 miles inside of East Germany, 60 miles from the Polish border. This is before, this is when the wall was still up. We had 55 Soviet divisions around us, plus the East German army. The Polish army, which at the time was under communist control, was less than 60 miles away. We would hear Polish chatter, particularly during a Warsaw Pact exercise. We would hear Polish chatter. We would hear uh, uh, Russians uh, you know, all the time. And we would get signals that would come up and they would be empty. But then once the verbiage would begin to, and operators would begin to talk, we would very quickly be able to identify to whom we were listening. And to know whether or not it was something that we wanted to listen to, uh, to which we want to listen to, whether it was Army, whether it was Air Force, it could have been KGB. And on occasion, there were GRU signals out there. It was not guesswork. I had equipment to measure the signals. I had manuals that gave me the parameters of what they were using. I had specs right there to help me discern. When it comes to the voice of God, I've got something to help me discern. I've got a manual. And when something comes in that is contrary to this, I know I'm getting gobbledygook. I know I'm getting something that is a friend of mine was listening and they knew we were listening. I mean, they're not stupid. And in their down in a in a 12 or 24 channel system there, the, the bottom one is an operator channel where the operators, the two operators talk to each other. You know, and that's always of interest. And he was listening and they were, of course, speaking in Russian. And then and, and here's their signal on the IP scope, you know, showing that they're up and transmitting. And he said, then in very intelligible English, one of the operators said, and that is the end of another one. And then the signal went. <laughs> hey, Bob, you think we know we're here? We have got help in hearing the Word of God and understanding it. We have, you know, one of the things that we had was a designated search regimen. And that is that when there wasn't a whole lot going on, we had frequency bands that we would search, see what was out there. We would, and azimuths, you know, from which direction they would come. A friend of mine, one of the guys I worked with, went down to what we used to call the zone, the zone of occupation, meaning Western Germany, and he was working with our, one of our units on a border site right there on the East German, West German border. And they had a, a big dish antenna sitting out there on a truck because it was a portable unit. And 
Lou reaches up there and he's, he's looking at it. And so he's cranking the dish around, watching his IP scope to see where he gets the biggest spike. And one of the other operators who was not TDY from Berlin uh, said to him, what are you doing? He said, I'm shooting a DF on this signal. He said, Lou, if it's over here, it's ours. <laughs> and he went, oh, yeah, because we were used to being surrounded. We had to look in every direction. First thing we would do is we would start listening. We'd start searching, being sensitive. God is speaking. People are hearing. But there's interference and, interference and jamming. Signals are getting hit. Some of it is internal. Some of it is external. But we were a listening post, not a hearing post. We didn't just say, oh, somebody's over there talking. No, we wanted to know what they were saying. We wanted to make notes of that. There is so much chatter, so much noise, especially now, that if we do not hone in on the Word of God and begin to shut out the noise... Shut out the noise in the news. Shut out the noise in entertainment. Shut out the noise in culture. One of the things that, um, you know, hearing, let, we would put it this way, is, am I making any sense to you? Y'all are kind of quiet this morning. Hearing is detection, but listening is comprehension. In fact, when a parent says to a child, listen to me, they don't just mean hear me. Because then they could begin speaking, you know, in a, it's like the other day, I gave Liam a hand, yep, in fact, it was the day before yesterday, I gave Liam a hand signal. I went, <laughs> and he goes, right back. I said, do you know what this means? No. <laughs> I said, it means, I'm watching you. And I wouldn't, you know, I wasn't being, he wasn't doing anything wrong. I was, we're just messing with each other. So he saw it and he could even imitate it, but he didn't know what I meant. God wants us to know what he means. That's why he tells us to get in the word so that we'll recognize his voice. Most of the time, to be honest with you, God's going to speak to you out of his word. You know, there is so much. First or Second Timothy chapter uh, three and verse thirteen says, "Evil men and imposters." Literally, the word imposters means Virgil, verbal magicians, spin doctors, will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. These people in government who are so used to lying have come to the place that they can't even identify the truth anymore because they have so seared their consciences. And the Bible was predicting fake news millennia ago. Our education system and our culture have so darkened and so coarsened with the misinformation, disinformation, twisting and distorting daily, making confident assertions about things that they should or do know are false, trying to shape the narrative. Our news media has become nothing but a propaganda outlet for the left. And let's just, you know, our mainstream media, our legacy media. Sharing the ignorance on social media to a receptive audience. This is not harmless. It's happening in the church. We've got cheap grace, easy believism, 
cultural theology has so penetrated the church and multitudes are more prone to believe what they read on Facebook than they are to read to believe what they read in the scripture because the scripture is harsh and I'm going to give you illustration of what and so what what have we done church uh, the church has and men have produced a kinder gentler Bible that will lead you down the primrose path to destruction because it doesn't tell you the truth. You know, the, it says in the last days that men will heap teachers to themselves in accordance with their own desires. You know, when Paul wrote that, it was not even possible for that to be the case. Now with the internet, easily. And um, just and if you don't believe that a screen will not train you, just go into a restaurant where they've got screens up around and see how many people are distracted by what's going on on that screen. We're trained to look at the screen from from birth. I mean, yeah, okay, I understand. We didn't even have color TV when I was born. You know. <gasps> My first television was a Philco and the screen was round because my parents got it as second hand as a gift from my, my great aunt and uncle who were moving on to a bigger black and white screen that was only round on the sides. And then we, we got a 19-inch Admiral black and white TV that had tubes in it. We were uptown, man. And then at Sears, I saw my very first color television. I'll never forget. You talk about a life-changing experience. Truth or consequences. How many of you remember truth or consequences? Bob Barker. And I'm like, I'm standing there transfixed in the TV section of Sears at 5th or 21st in Yale there in Tulsa going like that because you could see the colors. I didn't even know that was possible. I thought all those people actually were black and white. And I'm sitting there, and Bob Barker was wearing a blue suit. That was back when microphones had wires. And I'm just like, wow. And now we're trained to look at that ultra high definition, high dynamic range, 4K, whatever. And if you don't believe that's true, just take an iPad away from a five-year-old. <laughs> Ask me how I know this. And most of it is noise. It is made to appeal to our flesh. It is made to appeal to our uh, lower, our baser. Uh, man, I remember one time I was on a, when I first discovered it that I had been trained in this. I was on this cruise ship, and we were. They had there was a guy down doing some stuff. And behind him, they had, uh, they were projecting some images. You know, it was a, a, a video. And I had a hard time watching him instead of the video. My eyes were just like, you know, the, the, the video is nothing. Watch him. He's the one. And I'm telling you, in our culture today, we've got a lot of people saying, do not pay any attention to the man behind the curtain. Watch the video. At best, it's noise. Everybody say amen. amen. 
no matter how popular or how good it sounds, and it obscures the truth. And at worst, it's deception leading people into error while they congratulate themselves, according to Romans 1 and 22, on how wise they are. Acts chapter 20, if our musicians will come, we're going to start winding this down. I think, <laughs> Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves. This is Paul talking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. Be on guard for yourselves and all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd, bishops to pastor. That's what it says. The church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things. Now, when I see the word perverse, I usually think of something that's, ooh, that's perverted. That's nasty. And that's not what this word means. The word means twisted. Things that have been twisted just enough to get off. It still sounds good. It might even, you know, it, it, but it, it doesn't somehow, if you've got a, any discernment about you and you know the scripture, it won't pass the smell test. But most people in North America, most Christians are woefully, scripturally ignorant. Bible, you know, it, it's, it's, they, they don't know. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. I have not left the subject of listening to God. We're talking about that, you know. And so I have, I am constantly on guard for myself. There are things that I've heard that I thought, boy, that sounds really good. But then when you begin to to, to, to dig into it and drill down on it, suddenly you discover that, you know what, there's less here than meets the eye. There's a lot of YouTube prophets who are saying things that sound thrilling and they get big followings, but the track record ain't good. Proverbs 11, 9. Through social media, the godless man destroys his neighbor. But through knowledge, through the scripture... The righteous is delivered. Everybody say that's good. Amen. Once we start comparing the information with the word of the living God, measuring and analyzing it, knowing where to look, not being biblically illiterate, but knowing what the scripture says. That's what that's what the Lord's been doing with this church for the last 12, 15 years is training us in the scripture so that we can quickly sniff out the stuff that's that's wrong and go yeah and I'm we'll we'll get we're going to do more with that all right we're going to do we're going to do more but proverbs chapter 2 um well you know uh, proverbs chapter 2 verses 3 through 15 for if you cry for discernment lift your voice for understanding if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures I heard a guy one time and he apologized to me for saying it because he thought I might have been offended but all he did was reveal where he was skydiving friend of mine said you know if they just get their nose out of that Bible and into the real world they might be able to make a good decision on this he had it exactly backwards 
Then you will discern the fear of Yahweh and discover the knowledge of God. For Yahweh gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. This cannot be exhausted. I was over here at Costco a couple of days ago, filling up with gas. And you, boy, I'm telling you, go to Costco and fill it. Right now, they're only like 15 or 16 cents. Before, for a while, they were 40 cents a gallon cheaper than everywhere else. And I pull up and I, and you know, and the other day I went early before the store opened and just it just became a zoo. And one of the, and somebody on the pump on the other side of me was having problems. So the attendant came up and I've seen him there a lot before, and, and we recognize each other. I said, how's it going? He said, pretty good. I said, how many tank trucks full of fuel are you using per day right now? He said, a little over three. Three times a day, sometimes four, they have to have a tanker pull in and refill those underground tanks because so much gas is being pumped out of there. Well, guess what? When it comes to wisdom and knowledge, God is one of those great big tank trucks. And I'm sure there is enough in there to fill your tank. Hallelujah. And not only that, he doesn't charge $4.59 a gallon. Keep reading here. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in what? Integrity. What, is, what does he mean by integrity? Where they are integrating the things of the scripture into their lives. They are kneading that in. They are stirring it in. Guarding the paths of righteousness or justice. And he preserves the way of his godly ones. Well, you could sleep better knowing that, can't you? Then you will discern. Then you will detect. Then you will understand. Then you will perceive righteousness and justice and equity or integrity. And every good course, you'll know how you should proceed. Proceed, excuse me. Discretion will guard you. I don't know about you, but I would have, going through this life, you never know. What crazy lunatic with a weapon is going to be where and when? And I would like to know those things. I've had God steer me around accidents and steer me around things that would have been painful. How many of you think that is profitable? And all the insurance agents said, amen. We'll guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks twisted things, from those who, do you understand that? That you'll be able to hear something and people around you, people on Facebook, Christians say, oh, this is God. This is just, oh, this is the heart of God. No, it's not. It's deception. It's wickedness. And it is an open invitation to the enemy to come in and wreck your life, wreck your family, wreck your company, wreck your country. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks twisted things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness to deliver you from those people. Who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the twistedness, the perversity 
of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Do you think that being protected against deviousness and uh, misleading things is something worth having? What did Jesus say about the last days? Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, Luke 21. All three passages where they ask him about the last days. What will be this, the signs of your coming, you know, the, of the last days. The first, and it was a confidential brief, briefing. It was just to a handful of his disciples. And the first thing out of his mouth in all three gospels, see to it, no one misleads you. See to it, you are not misled. That tells us the character of the last days will be lies. Prevarications. I will speak, you know, frankly and tell you the truth here. Everybody hears, but very few are listening. Only the remnant. And the Lord will help us to learn how to measure, to analyze, and detect, and to hear only the voice, and, when I, and listen rather, only to the voice of the Lord. And to walk in obedience to Him. And don't be surprised in the not too distant future when people you know are coming to you asking you questions because you're biblically literate and they're not. And they have suddenly become painfully, excruciatingly so in some cases, aware of the fact that what they're doing is not working. Some will receive it godly counsel some will not but God will watch over those who are his we just saw it great and mighty things are in the offing the day of the Lord is great and terrible great for those who know him and terrible T-R-B-L terrible for those who don't and God wants us he's going to bring them to the point where, I mean, into your life where you can snatch them out of the fire. Uh, we've had people come through the door and I'm, we've had members of the church say, my child is sick with this and the doctors aren't any, able to do anything for him. It wasn't anything life-threatening, but it was a real problem. And we were able to pray for them and see God do something in their bodies immediately. How much is that worth? How much is that worth? And don't be at all. We're going to, starting on Wednesday, we're going to be teaching on the manifestations and the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because they're already starting to happen. And don't just expect it to happen here in this building. Expect it to happen in your life out there on the bricks. You'll be talking to somebody and boom, you'll know something. You've got to know what to do with that. The supernatural is becoming natural. God is intervening. The fire from heaven will yet fall. And Baal will be put to complete shame. That doesn't mean that his people won't, will give up. They won't. But that's okay. Our God will prevail. He will have his way. Those of you watching, let's all stand. Those of you watching by internet, if you do not know Jesus of Nazareth as your Lord and your Savior, 
I'm telling you, don't wait another 10 seconds. Get out from under the boot of the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is working, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, and the sons of disobedience. And get over into the family of God. Where Jesus is not just your savior and your elder brother. He is the good, good shepherd. And our father is a loving, merciful, giving, revealing God. Who is not only a shield in front of us, his glory is our rear guard as well. If you don't know Jesus, just cry out to the Father right now and say, Father God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your Son. I believe you raised him from the dead. With my heart I believe and with my mouth I confess that Jesus is Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And the scripture says you will pass from death into life. What a wonderful thing. And then get yourself a Bible and get yourself in a fellowship of believers that believe this thing and where the Sunday morning message isn't a 30 minute comedy routine punctuated by a couple of scriptures taken out of context and it isn't some sort of a pyramid sales scheme rally almost used a brand name I didn't want to do that believer if you're not really locked in, if you're not serving the Lord with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul and all of your strength, if you're just stirring it with your finger, the days of being able to cruise along doing that are passed over. Now is the time to become intentional, to become focused, to become locked in. Get yourself in the house of God. Get in the ministry where you are serving the Lord. You are doing things for the Lord. You are actually exerting not just financial, but physical time, energy, strength, doing the work of God. Because believe me, it's only that that makes a difference in the people around us. Hallelujah. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily.org, iccfamily.org. O-R-G. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.